0: Welcome to Board Game Famous, the board game podcast that chronicles two brothers and sometimes some friends as they journey to board game fame. I'm your host, Michael, and I'm joined by Jesse. Hey, y'all. David is still on paternity leave, and their little child is healthy and doing well, but maybe he'll be back soon. We start, as always, with, hey, what you been playing? And Jesse, I know you've been to a game con recently, so we'll talk about that soon. So we'll talk about what I've been playing first, because I'm the most
1: special. <laughs> you are the most special, Michael. I, I know you already know that. Uh, so, Michael, what you've been playing? As an update to the last episode, I have finally played my
0: copy of Arc Nova. I enjoyed it. Won't go into it since we've talked about this game a couple times in the last couple episodes, and I think after a few more plays, we'll actually feature it as Game of
1: the Fortnite here soon. Oh, I have a correction to make, by the way. My friend pointed out that I did not win the first game of Ark Nova I played. I think I caused the end game trigger, and I ended with a positive score, but I did not win that first game. My friend Davis won, so shout-out to Davis. I did not win my first game. I
0: did not have a positive score. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, we played a handful of games together, but I will talk about them, because those are the only games that I've played since the last recording. We played a few social deduction games, Quest and Shadow Hunters. but then we also played one of my favorite games, Cascadia, designed by Randy Flynn. So this game is a tile laying game where you are creating this habitat in Cascadia and you're placing animals throughout this habitat and the animals will score you based on how they're arranged within this habitat. Like, for example, in this game, Uh, you want three bears next to each other, no more, no less. Foxes want to be next to other animals. Birds want to be far away from other birds. They don't want to be touching other birds. Fish like to be in a nice run, like they're in a river. And so you have all these different, you know, uh, design constraints as you're creating this habitat. The one thing I like about this game is it slowly builds and then you start reaching the end game And you may have created all these different patterns on the board and you're trying to, at the very end, maximize how much you're going to score for, for example, bears. You know, say you needed three bears next to each other and you have two bears and you're just hoping that a bear pops up (laughs) in the slot because I need another bear. Where's my bear? I'm getting stressed. (laughs) And then Jesse doesn't hate draft it from you. (laughs) And then, yeah, you hope the person before you doesn't hate draft it. But it also has that nice feature of you have the patterns of the animals, but you're also trying to create an interesting habitat of the tiles that you're also getting because you're getting tiles and disks. So habitat tiles and animal disks. And you get points for the largest of each kind of habitat that you create. So the longest water stream, you know, prairie, all that kind of stuff. And so you're, you're, you're balancing all these different options. And you can't do everything and having to focus... On which ones you want to do. I think I think I still really like this. I know we talked previously about this game versus Calico. I still have not played Calico. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> well, we, we usually don't have just two people playing two games. And so
1: we play bigger people counts. And that's the issue. But same designer, right? Yes, it is. And uh, they have a third game coming out pretty soon, which I think is Verdant. Verdant. So... Cascadia is published by FlatOut Games, and FlatOut Games has another game coming out soon, which is Verdant, that I backed on Kickstarter. Verdant is designed by Molly Johnson, Aaron Mesburn, Robert Melvin, Kevin Ross, and Sean Stankowicz, who are designers of titles such as Point Salad, Dollars to Donuts, Calico, and Overboss. It's developed and directed by the team behind Calico and Cascadia. So looking forward to seeing that.
0: And it does look like Randy Flynn does have another game coming out called Tabriz. 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 I don't know. Never heard of it. It's uh, it's a town in Iran. Is so. it on? Uh, is it on the Kickstarter? I'm trying to find out, but it's being published by Crafty Games. How do so you spell it? T A B R I Z. It is not on the Kickstarter. It's not out yet. Either way, my policy is if there's a group of designers whose games you've previously liked it's a lot less of a risk whenever you back their future games so so i've talked about what i've played and unfortunately i was out of town so i was not able to join you for this fantastic event but please tell us
1: about this convention you recently went to okay so this weekend last weekend sometime in the indefinite past i went to mega moose con 2022 at the gateway conference center in richburg south richburg south carolina mega moose con started after mark kale began turkey con in november of 2011. he started turkey con as a geeky alternative to black friday shopping and it was a one time event that grew into a many time event. It was so popular that they then started doing quarterly Moose Con events at the Moose Lodge in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Eventually, it got moved to the VFW just as a venue change, but the name Moose Con stuck. The quarterly Moose Cons are donation cons, and in 2016, Mark Kale and his team started Mega Moose Con in Richburg, and that has been a major gaming event in our area ever since now michael you've been to mega moose con in the past is that true yeah it kind of
0: services both the charlotte north carolina and columbia region some people do come from a little bit further richburg south carolina itself is not a big location i think the population of the town of richburg south carolina is 300 and the con had more people than that (laughs) (laughs) but it's a nice just play convention where people just show up bring their own games there is a library there is play to win and you meet some strangers
1: you play some games and it's usually a really good time Yeah, definitely. I didn't get much time ahead to schedule for games, but I did sign up for two specific games during the con, which I got a chance to play, and I'll talk about a little bit as I talk about what I did. In addition to gameplay, they always have an albino moose uh, gift exchange where you can win just a prize just for signing up in time. I was too late to sign up for it, so didn't get to play. There's always a lightning flea market where you can purchase a table to sell your games, which I did not do and probably should have, but I bought some games. That is actually one of my favorite
0: (laughs) events, is the fact that instead of having people selling games the entire weekend, they have one dedicated time space during the entire weekend, and everybody sets up in the hall, and then you just go in there, and you just walk in booth to booth to booth, and like, oh, I'm interested in that, I'm interested Hmm. in that, but I can't get on both of these, and you're running around, it's like, oh, I might get that,
1: (laughs) so... I was surprised at how restrained I was in my purchasing. I bought Medieval Academy. Want to guess what I paid for it? Uh, that retails for 40, right? Sure. Uh, what, 10? Got it for 5. What? I felt pretty good about that. Also picked up a copy of Dice Forge for 15, which I felt really good about. So you can't say no to games at that price. No. Well,. No. I mean, you can. <laughs> if you have
0: incredible self-control. Well, um, I think you would say no to uh, Kill Shakespeare
1: for $5. Uh, you know, we read <laughs> on Kill Shakespeare a lot, but maybe we just need to give it another chance. I don't know. <laughs> In addition to the flea market and other events that were mentioned, there were vendors present. Buzz City Games was one of the vendors that was there, among others, and... I didn't spend a lot of time checking out the various vendors, I really spent a lot of time just gaming with people I knew and hanging out with my friends. Overall it was a really good con, I went for a little bit of each of the three days. I did not call out from work on Friday so I only got to go pretty late in the evening and I only got to do one thing on Friday evening but it was one of my scheduled events. I did a tabletop RPG called Kids on Bikes, are you familiar with it Michael?
0: I am familiar in the sense that on free RPG day every year, I go to our local game store and I pick up one-shots. And I have picked up Kids on Bikes related one-shots, but I have never played them. So I know know, we've played Dungeons & Dragons together, which is a D20-based system. So your attack and your skill checks are based on a D20. What kind of system does Kids on Bikes... Kids on Bikes
1: is a collaborative world building RPG. I didn't have like health points or anything like that as far as I could tell, I had six stats. So my character, we had five pre-gen characters to choose from the Game Master Jamilia had prepared for us and she had a scenario called Jessica is Missing in which our friend slash sister slash person we knew slash person who you caused to go missing, was someone that we all knew, and for some reason we had to find her, help her. Um, she actually wasn't missing. She was there, but she was being really weird, and we quickly determined that it was not the real Jessica. The character who I played was this meathead football jock. I don't remember his so, name. So much you in real life. I know, right? <laughs> he had frosted blonde hair. Um, his, his traits were wealthy, lucky, and rebellious. <laughs> Um, My favorite moment of the game was when I first got to introduce him to the group and he came downstairs and he went to the refrigerator, like his mom was cooking breakfast, he went to the refrigerator and took out a carton of milk and started chugging from it. And I just thought it was so funny the way the game master reacted. She was like, oh, son, you can't do that like a good Midwestern mom. Like, oh, you can't. And I felt like she had slapped me with a wooden spoon. I was like, oh. Okay, well, I am rebellious, so I'm going to do this. So each character has six stats, which are fight, flight, brains, brawn, and charm, grit. And so each of those six stats, from what I could gather, was assigned one of the different dice, either a d4, a d6, a d8, a d10, a d12, or a d20. So my football jock was really really good at brawn and fight and was not so good at brains or flight
0: so say you would were to run into like a brain scenario
1: you would roll i would ask someone else to roll (laughs) i did use brains once or twice i I rolled a d4 for brains Uh. it was um not ever successful i don't think Actually, it was, I think, because one thing with this system is if you roll the maximum number possible, it's exploding dice, so you get to roll a second time. Um, So with a d4, I'm actually quite fairly likely to roll a 4 and then be able to roll again. I think I rolled a brains check and ended up with a score of 10 by rolling a 4 twice in a row. Is this like a degrees of success kind of thing? Uh, Not entirely sure. The way the Game Master ran it, it kind of felt like there was a difficulty check for Mm. various things, where a 5 was something that wasn't too difficult. Yeah. Something that was more difficult might have required a 10, or possibly even higher. Nice. Um, So we had to figure out what was going on with Jessica. My football jock character was actually the reason she went missing. He had... Dared her to go into the woods by herself, and she had touched, like, this witch house from the Salem Witch Trials, and then she was missing. And it turned out she had maybe been stolen by a demon that took her place. But we saved her. It was great. I've been told that the kids on bikes facilitates a vibe that's similar to the show Stranger Things. Definitely had that feeling to it. Although our characters and i don't know if this was a matter of the characters that were created for us our characters were not inherently friends in the way that the kids on Stranger Things were. It took a lot of manipulation for us to kind of bring ourselves together. One of the one of the guys was playing a high school guidance counselor, for oh, instance. Nice. <laughs> uh, he was really good at it too. He got this. He adopted this very soft-spoken voice every time. And, oh, Cassie, how are you doing today? Oh, how do you feel about that? you need to talk? <laughs> he was really funny. Our friend Davis was playing this kind of film club AV kid who was, like, a heavyset Hispanic film club nerd Um, (laughs) who used his camera as a weapon. Oh, that's kind of funny. It was a good time. Another person played uh, Jessica's little brother, and our last person who was relatively new to RPGs was playing her best friend.
0: Nice. Um,
1: So it was tough to bring all these disparate characters together, like, what's the reason that... Football jock who hates them all is with them. Yeah. Did you guys have a pretty good time, though? Did everyone at the table have a good time? I think we all had a great time. I, um, I felt like the hero of the hour. I was able to pick Jessica up and move her away from the demon while everyone else kind of fought the demon. Which nice. was, uh, it was a good team. Did you run up a hill? I uh, ran up <laughs> many hills, <until> <laughs> climbed out of a <laughs> trapdoor pit, and it was, it oh. was a good time. So it was, a, it was a lot of fun and much appreciation to our game master, Jamelia. Nice. Is that the only thing you did on the first day? That was the only thing I did the first day. It took us from about 7.30 till about 11, 10.30 or 11, That's... by which time it was time to leave. I was going to say, it still sounds like a good first day. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Day two, I came back and had plans with one of my friends to play Scythe with whoever showed up and played with us. We played with three new people, but we couldn't get started right away in the day, so mm. we actually started with a game of Crokinole. Do you know Crokinole? I know it because I believe
0: shut up and sit down the YouTuber Quince reviewed it and because of that it exploded in popularity. Recently at Dragon Con, I think they had something like six Crokinole tables. Oh wow. And I was just like those are not cheap in the fact that they had six of them. <laughs> I was just did like Did they do a whole tournament or something there? I think they did a tournament too. So yeah. it's just, they had six dedicated boards and six dedicated tables for those boards, and that
1: was the Crokinole area, and they were always full whenever I was walking by. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually looked them up just before I came over, and I think they run about 220 to $250 from Mayday Games, although there are other people who make it as well. The one that we played was from Mayday Games. So how would you describe Crokinole for those who have
0: never seen a Crokinole board, or have never played it
1: so the first thing you should know is that it is a traditional canadian dexterity game meaning that it is not like a strategy game or the type of tabletop game that most of us probably think of when we think of tabletop games it is ranked number 54 on bgg and i think it is the highest ranked dexterity game oh so something you could cross off your list i did i got to scratch it off my poster actually i scratched three things off my poster (laughs) which was really exciting So, yeah, Crokinole, I would say, have you ever played, like, bocce ball? Have you ever played shuffleboard? Have you ever played um, curling? I have played,
0: I mean, I've played all of those, but I've also played that one game that you see at the bars where you have, like, the slidey discs and it's got the long wooden board and there's, like, sand grit on it that makes it slide super smooth, and you're
1: trying to sink it into, like, a particular spot. Yeah. There's, there's like, the 1 point, 4 point, 3 point kind of thing. It's on, it's on the same kind of lines as all of those. Yeah. It um, has kind of a circular board, and there's a ring of pegs, and in order to keep your stuff on the board, if you're the first person to go, you have to flick your disc, and it has to end within that ring of pegs in the center. And that's a scoring zone that's worth 15 points. There's a tiny circle in the middle that is just the right size for a disc. And if you get it in there, it's worth 20 points. You take it out, put it in a little storage area. Now, if there's another disc on the board already that is not your own, you must hit that disc and land in a legal position in order for your disc to stay on the board. So, like, if my friend already had a disc on the board, I would have to hit it with my disc in order to keep any of my disks on the board. If I missed, and I missed often, if I missed, I would lose all my disks I had shot so far. Oh jeez. It was not good for someone like me who is terribly inconsistent. I'm one of those people who can go bowling and get like two strikes in a row and then four gutter balls and then eight pins. And that is how Crokinole went for me. But did you have fun? It is the most fun I've ever had with a game I hated. <laughs> I do not want to own this game. I do not want to play this game. I had a great time, but it was miserable because every time I was like, "Ooh, I got it in the 15. I'm doing great." And then I was like, "Oh, I missed. I lose all the points I had on this um on this round." But you can um, see why people like it. Absolutely. We played a three-player game, each of us got eight discs per round, and so at the end of the round, any, points, any discs you had remaining on the board scored you 5, 10, 15, or 20 points. It took us probably 10 to 12 rounds to finish, and I did end <laughs> up winning, and I don't know how. Nice. I guess luck. I guess everyone else said, that's enough of this. <laughs> But it was a good fun game. I would uh, recommend playing it at least once in your life. Preferably at a situation, like you said, like a con, where you can play it for free and not have to spend 200 plus dollars on your own board, unless you play it and find you really, really love it.
0: I have seen a few board game cafes have boards too, as well, for renting.
1: Yeah, and I think what is really great about this game is that it's got a very simple accessibility. Like, it is easy to learn, it is easy to understand, and it is probably hard to master. So yeah, we played Crokinole, we played Scythe, a five-player game of Scythe. I played as Tagawa. I did not win. (laughs) I have never seen a Tagawa victory. Still struggling with Tagawa. (laughs) But I had fun. I, I took second. We played a game of Brass Birmingham, which is number two on BGG. It is an economic strategy game set in the Industrial Revolution. Uh, Have you played that one, Michael? I have. I've played both Birmingham and Lancashire. Uh, Yeah, it's a game where you're developing, building, and establishing your industries in a network to satisfy or exploit market demands.
0: Basically, it's English viewers, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it takes place in the Midlands of England, and it's during the period of industrialization. So you take it through the canal period, where all these different industrial towns are being connected by canals, and then you move into the rail period, where the canals are being replaced by railroads, and you're creating these factories in various towns, and you're trying to get these goods to markets through these canals and railroad networks to maximize profits
1: yeah another game about capitalism <laughs> all all games really <laughs> uh i did the pottery stat- strategy at the end of the canal phase i was in the lead but by the end of the game i was in second it was a good fun game uh, always have a good time with that one don't play it very often but when i do i always have a good time i do like the player order strategy uh
0: of the next round the person who spent the least amount of money goes first
1: which, which makes an interesting dynamic of big spending turns and less spending turns. I think the other players were much better at managing that than I was. I just spent what I wanted to and didn't worry about when I would go in the next round, which probably led to my downfall. But it was fun. It was great. So the next game I got to play was my other scheduled game for the con. It was Arkham Horror First Edition, which released in 1987, and I got to play with the game with one of the game's designer, Richard Lanius. Is he local to around here? You ask me questions I don't know the answer to just <laughs> after we pause recording. I'm gonna go with yes maybe because it seemed like everyone there knew him. Well, we don't know where he lives, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> He ran the game for us as like a game master role, and he was super cool to play with. It was a lot of fun. Have you ever played any of the versions of Arkham Horror, Michael? I may have played one years ago. Yeah, I played Eldritch Horror once before. Um, I've never played any of the other Arkham Horrors, but this was a really neat opportunity to play with the game's designer, so I signed up for it when I saw that opportunity. Richard Lanius made the game super fun. It's a game from 1987 and he said like, when we sat down at the table, he's like, this is a game from 1987. That's 35 years ago. A lot has changed in gaming since then. That is ancient in board game years. It really is. Like, I was six. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so, uh, it is a roll and move game for one thing. Like, you roll dice and you can choose where to move. The If you look on BGG, you can see the board for the original game. He had this giant neoprene mat. I got a picture if you put it on the Insta so people can see it. It was a really cool setup. We had little wooden figures instead of plastic pawns and things. I got to be a kind of adventurer Indiana Jones type character. It's like a light role-playing cooperative moving around a map trying to find clues and close eldritch gates to keep the deep one Away from the town of Arkham. I thought we were doing really, really well. You you know where this is gonna end because I said you thought <laughs> I thought we were doing really well. At one point, my character got a chance to like get three items if he advanced to the Doom Track, and I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. The Doom Track isn't that far along. Ooh, uh, the yeah. Doom Track is one of the lost conditions. This is like several other games we've talked about recently where there's one way to win and many ways to lose. Uh, One of the ways to lose is for any character to die. Another way to lose is for the Doom Track to reach 13. The Doom Track ended up reaching 13.
0: Oh, geez. It was,
1: it was painful, but we got pretty close to winning, I think, and we had a lot of fun. One of my favorite things about the game was when you rolled to move and got into a particular location, such as there was a lighthouse, or there was a newspaper, or there was a town hall, there was a sanitarium, each of those different locations had an encounter table, and you would roll two six-sided dice, one red and one white and the combination of those dice would give you a specific encounter at that location. So, really, each location there were 36 different possible encounters, so even if you went to the same location twice, it was very unlikely that the same thing would happen there. So that was a lot of fun, and the way that Richard read those different encounters to us, and made offers to us, and and tempted us, was super cool. I mean, I had a lot of laughs with it, and it was way more fun than I could have expected. Do I feel that I need to add the game to my collection? Probably not. Would I play it again with Richard Lanius? Probably I would. It's always special
0: to have one of the designers to be there with you to guide you through, especially a game like this, which is cinematic in the the way it tells a
1: story and that you are engaged in the story as well as players absolutely it was it was very cool after that i played some light party games for the rest of the evening um got a chance to play don't mess with cthulhu with will meadows from tantrum house as well as a bunch of others we ended up doing a 12 player game with two sets combined don't mess with cthulhu is a social deduction game and um, one of the biggest flaws of the game in my opinion is that you can play the game and never have a turn I played three games and never had a turn. I played three non-games of Don't Mess With Cthulhu. It was still fun to play with Will Meadows and others, but uh, it definitely felt like I was just watching rather than playing. Played a couple games of Skull with Mark Cale, who is the organizer of the con, as well as some of our other friends. Skull is also a light social deduction uh, trick-taking? How would you describe Skull? It is a bluffing game. So yeah. S-
0: so Skull is based on an old bar game. It, just, it actually just is a, an old bar game. Because what you used to do is... You'd be sitting at a bar. You'd take a collection of coasters. And on one side of those coasters... You draw an X on that one card. And that's your Skull card. And so you'd have a stack of coasters. And you play. And you're basically betting how many uh, coasters... You can flip over without revealing an X coaster and you're trying to bluff people into flipping over your ex thinking that they're safe or that that kind of stuff. It, it's just it's a bluffing bar game it, that got made into a board game.
1: It's a super fun game. It's one we used to play back when back when Mark and others and I were less busy and had more time to game with each other every week. So it was it was fun to sit down with them and go back to an old favorite. We also played like six games of one night ultimate werewolf. That's enough said about that. It was fun. It was a good time. If you enjoy that game, it's not my kind of game. One Night Ultimate Werewolf is great because it plays in five minutes, essentially. Any game that can play in five minutes, I think, is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's not necessarily what I want to do all the time. Indeed. But six games of it at the end of the night, that was fine. Especially whenever you've played some longer games. Absolutely. My brain was burnt from that day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I returned to the con on day three on Sunday, got into a game of Quacks of Quedlinburg with my friend Davis, our friend Davis, friend of the podcast Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Friend, friend, friend. (laughs) So we played Quacks, which is a potion brewing, press your luck deck bag building game. Did you play double Quacks or single Quacks? Uh, We played a double large game of Quacks. I think there were five or six of us in that game friend of the podcast
0: davis owns two copies of quacks and because the game doesn't actually feel any different the number of players you have you could theoretically
1: play up to eight players with two base games and it feels the same it does not make a significant difference (sighs) no no no, players yeah and it was fun i always think that game is fun it's also one of the high um high rated games on bgg it ranks in at number 62 yes i think it's one of the the better press your luck games absolutely i love the concept of bag building and i love the replayability of the different powers that different tokens can do so each time you play the game you choose randomly what powers each token has yes the red mushroom token means this this game the red mushroom token means this that game that yeah. kind of thing. It was a neat combination. We also played with the expansion that had the witches, um, mm. where you get three coins, and each witch gives a different power over the course of the game. Some of the fate cards and the way they interacted with the witches made this a very high-scoring game. Like, I think we ran out of six pumpkins. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, six pumpkins are the most expensive token you can buy in the game, and usually you get like one or two of them, tops. Mm-hmm. And... Several of us had like five or six of them in our bags. Nice. It was it was it was cool. The next game I played after that was an unpublished prototype with designer Nate Bivens. Are you familiar with Nate? Yes.
0: Uh, we've played a handful of games together. I mentioned on the last episode that I played Middle Earth Quest with him. Yeah. He used to be super active in our group. Especially at the board game store, you know, but you know, you got family, you got
1: kids, all that kind of stuff. Your life gets busy. Life commitments. It was really neat to sit down and play his unpublished prototype. He is designing a game that is similar to the app game Papers, Please. Mm -hmm. Have you ever played Papers, Please? I have played it. Do you remember anything about it? I played it in
0: college with my roommate and it was a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, it it evokes uh, Soviet
1: states and and systems about people movement yeah essentially you're like a border guard and people are coming in with a passport and you have to approve or deny them you're trying to make money to keep your family alive nate's game had a lot of similar vibes to that Did you feel like it was pretty early in the prototype phase? It is very early in the prototype phase. It is like a brand new prototype. He said he had had two, like, kind of playthroughs so far, just testing it out. He said he's at the stage where he just wants to playtest it to see if it's fun and if people, if he should continue to pursue it. Yep. I had fun, but I was also the one who was most active in making decisions. I know that the others who got the little envelopes felt like they had less what's the word for Engagement. It? N- uh, not engagement. Agency. Agency. Mm. Okay, they felt like they had less agency because they were like, this is who you are, this is your passport, it's fake, try not to get caught. Um, <laughs> it was a fun game and each of us had kind of our own mini-game like of how we were trying to spend credits once we earned them, so that was cool. They were kind of a Sheriff of Nottingham type element where they were bringing goods in and they had to declare their goods, so... They would be like, I have three chocolates, but actually, they were smuggling weapons. Nice. Uh, one of my friends was had a little five year old girl who was traveling by herself and was like, I have chocolates, <laughs> and then later he was like, Yeah, she was smuggling guns. <laughs> <laughs> so it was super cool. I'm looking forward to seeing like how it changes from this first iteration. But it was it's always neat to play unpublished games to see what they're like and to see what impact you can have on the design process yeah play test play
0: test play test play test play test play test test. that's that's the importance
1: of prototypes and then play test some more or then play test some more (laughs) the last game i got to play at the con was quest for el dorado which is a race to the legendary city of gold it's a light deck building and map movement game in which you are trying to get to the city of el dorado the fastest i did not quite make it it's a good time. It was. It's a game I've always enjoyed, and three of us got a chance to play that, and it was a great way to close out the con. It has a really fun and light game feel as you're traversing
0: the whatever board you're playing with the kind of obstacles that you run into and the cards that you end up drawing at particular times that may or may not go your way sometimes, which
1: is hilarious. Yeah, I just didn't get my powerful paddle <laughs> at the right moment. <laughs> Yeah, you're right there at the water. You didn't get your powerful path. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I made a couple suboptimal choices that I think cost me the game, but it was a it was a super time and a great way to close out the con. One thing I didn't mention is I saw Monica at the con. Ooh. She did show up. I know she was she was she had said she probably wouldn't be there because she was traveling and out of town, and then she was there. I did not get a chance to play with her, unfortunately, but it was fun to see her and many other people who. You know, I've gotten to know over the course of the years at these kinds of events. And what I'm excited is I'll actually be able to make it to the next con. What's the next con you're going to make it to? Mace, also known as Jeff Con, because it is the last Mace. Awesome. And that is a regional con that has been going on for several years? Yes. The person who started it, Jeff, passed
0: away. So this will be the last uh, iteration of Mace Khan,
1: I believe. and so they're calling it Jeff Con in memory
0: of Jeff. And
1: that's coming up in November right ar- right around Veterans Day weekend. Correct. I'm also going to that one, so if anybody's in the Charlotte region or wants to travel and hang out with us cool guys, we're pretty all right. <laughs> I mean, my mom says I'm cool.
0: My mom thinks I'm special.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and without musical accompaniment, Our next section is Mail Time. And this question comes from your friend Dave, which is, if you were trapped on an island with your gamer friends and you only had one board
1: game to play between all of you guys, what game would you choose? Ooh, that's a tricky question. I need stipulations. Okay, so is this desert? Like, do I have to, like, survive? Like, do I have to, like, build fires and shelter and stuff? Do I have to search for food? Or is this, like some, like, MTV, Netflix stuff where, like, we have been trapped on a desert island and we have to get along. (laughs)
0: Let's say you have the tools and the skills already to survive on this island. So you don't do you don't
1: actually need to use the board game to survive except for just passing the time. <laughs> so <laughs> so essentially I'm asking like do I have the time and leisure and mental acuity to spend to play a challenging game or does it need to be something light and brainless cuz I'm focused on survival? It's up to you. Okay. Well, with that being said, then I think the other question I have is, am I allowed all the expansions to the game? In the scenario, yes. I'm not
0: sure how you got there on the island with all the <laughs> expansions, but yes. <laughs> because
1: I had a suitcase full of Root. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would choose Root by later games um, because there are several expansions to it that add to the replayability of the game. Root is essentially a territory control game in which everyone is trying to get to 30 points in their own different way, and I think Various, how many
0: factions are there?
1: I think, as of right now, I think there are a total of ten different factions, possibly. Eleven if you count a second Vagabond. So, um, so if you have a three- or four-player game,
0: mathematicians, you can do math about how many different <laughs> combinations of a three- to four-player game. There that you could play <laughs> that each person individually gets to play that
1: character in that combination. Yes, so it would have a lot of replayability. It's a game that I enjoy, but I'm not particularly good at. So I think playing it frequently would be more fun than some other games where I already feel like I'm really good at them. And I think it would be just fun to try out the different strategies. I imagine after, like, the seventh game, it would be awful. (laughs) (laughs) But then we would probably be like, okay, I need to go chop down coconuts or something. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, what game are you bringing to the desert
0: island? Well, there's obviously one correct choice, and that's Munchkin. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. Actually, I would say uh, Twilight Imperium 4th edition because we would actually have time, you know, for chat on a desert island. You don't have to play it all in one day, but, you know, you'd actually have time to play Twilight Imperium <laughs> with your friends. <laughs> I think it's been months since I've been able to play that game, so I've been itching to play a a longer game,
1: so maybe that's why I'm saying Twilight Imperium 4. I have not played it since, I think, April, at least. Uh, The last time I played it was a very large eight-player game where we played in partners, and that was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It was was like a 14-hour experience. (laughs) Some of these games, you just have to have the time, and if you're trapped on an island... You're like, Hey, guys,
0: you know, I know we're bored how how about how about how about now? It's just like you can't say no forever.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like t i four I don't think I would want it to be the only game I had an option for. I'm assuming we'd get a rescued eventually. I'm assuming I'm there for the rest of my life. Oh jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna swim to shore if you have t i four I'll play it once <laughs> once a month <laughs> at most. <laughs> You're going to turn the box into your Wilson, paint a face on it, start talking to the box. I think it's funny that neither of us said, like, Robinson Crusoe or Isle of Cats or... No. Fireball Island. Fireball Island. (laughs) (laughs) I still want to play it. Like, I used to play that when I was a little kid, like, the 1987 version of it, whatever it was. loved it when i was a kid i'm super curious about it now i mean they released a new edition so yeah that's that's what i'm talking like i'd love to try the new edition that came out like three years ago or something yeah i don't think i could play any game that's
0: actually related to an island or being trapped on an island (laughs) that would be so awful (laughs) Forbidden island (laughs) uh definitely not
1: No, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, there's another game theme for a game night. Islands. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Maybe we'll uh, play that the next time we hang out.
0: This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Another Fortnite. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at boardgamefamous at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram and message us at boardgamefamous link in the description. Or you can hop on our Discord. Link also in the description. Thanks for having you guys again. Bye. Bye.
1: You're supposed to say bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say words. Oh <laughs>